Human-centered design is an approach to interactive systems development that aims to make systems usable and useful by focusing on the user, their needs and their requirements, and by applying human factors and usability knowledge and techniques. What the actual? That was the definition I read of human-centered design off the interwebs, but I'm hoping that my guest, a veritable whiz at all things human-centered, Anita Seek, can help us understand it a little bit better. She's going to explain what human-centered design is, how it applies to content and copywriting, and how we can use it to help our clients. Hello, my name's Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of Recover Copywriting School, which teaches you how to be a more successful and happier copywriter. We have templates, courses, a job board, a directory, a membership, and an annual, annual not anal, an annual conference called CopyCon. And this is when I normally say hello to Belinda from Copyright Matters, but it's just me today and my guest, Anita. And I'm very excited to welcome her to the show. Hello, Anita. Yay! Hello, Kate! That was (laughs) such a struggle. She was pulling faces throughout all of that and trying to make me laugh. Um, (laughs) I've had to record that about three times, but we got there. We got there. Uh, that definition. What? What's that like? Huh? It's. Uh, we'll. We'll. We'll get into that. We'll get okay. into that. There is definitely a more. More of a just simple definition. And uh, I'll, I'll even just mention it quickly now. To be honest, it's just understanding humans, like being human beings and not business beings. Oh my goodness! Why don't I just say that? I think you need to after this episode. Oh, and the podcast episode is now done. Yeah. <laughs> no. Bye. See ya. I think you need to go and edit the Wikipedia page about it straight after this. All right? Because I'm not happy with that definition but look before we get stuck right in we've been just talking on your podcast so we're all like we're old mates but our audience may not know who you are I mean it's very unlikely but tell us who you are what do you do and why do you do it Yes. Okay. So my name's Anita and I um, am the founder of Word Fetty. So we're a human-centered brand strategy and copywriting studio, and we specialize in helping brands stand out, or as I like to say, become the Dyson of vacuums in Ooh. their industry. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Because when you think of vacuums, you think of Dysons, right? So I want, I, I want to help people become the Dyson of vacuums in their industry. And we do that through psychology and words. Um, and I'm also the host of and, and you were just on it, Kate. So you're also the host of Brand Fetty, the podcast. I like to say that it's like a weekly fun Fetty e-lesson in your ears filled with bite-sized takeaways on copywriting, content marketing, branding, and consumer psychology. Um, I can tell, I, I can walk walk your listeners through a little bit about myself as well, shall yeah, I? Yeah, go on. Who, like, like your secret stuff about like you as a human. Okay. Okay. Um, so a little bit about myself. So I have a very, very non-linear, traditional, non, non-linear, non-traditional path to copywriting and doing what I do today. Um, I studied law and psychology in university. Um, and You did a proper degree. You did a I real did degree. two proper degrees that cost a sh- load, like <laughs> just too much money. If that wasn't enough, I decided to get another paper that says I'm a lawyer. <laughs> Or to make my parentals happy. Yeah. Um, lo- love them, love them. Um, but I, so I started WordFetty as a side gig, actually, uh, to begin with. Uh, I was in a governance uh, and strategy role. So I used to write things people don't read. Uh, as in like policies, uh, uh, legislation, (laughs) 
until something goes wrong. So it's great when people read my things now. Um, so I started with Fetty as a bit of a creative outlet, never thought too much into it and um, really enjoyed it. And I think it was just so exciting to be able to listen to people's stories. That was my favourite bit, like listen to people's stories. And, yeah, uh, it's been, it took me around a year to tell my mum I quit my job. Uh, <laughs> she still thinks you're not, a lawyer come on be honest she still thinks she secretly thinks that I'm just taking a break and probably going through a quarter crisis <laughs> oh, I love my mom I, look I for those listening I did not lie to her intentionally um Obviously, you guys can't see my face, but I do come from an Asian background and mum's a bit of a tiger mum and she was very clear on the fact that I was either going to be a lawyer or a doctor and because her darling daughter did not like blood, <laughs> it was lawyer it was. So I didn't, yeah, didn't want to disappoint her or anything. So That's... it took me a bit to make sure I was going to be okay before I told her. Um, yes. But yeah, I, it's been three, two years since I left my corporate job and three and a half, three and a bit years now. Um, of wow is. is that all that's amazing because um you know uh, we were talking before the show you've, you've got a you have to check out word fetty on on instagram it's beautiful and you've got the podcast Aww. which is doing so well i thought you've been doing this for yonks but then you came on the podcast and you you look about 14 and it's like blimmin hell you know oh, what have i been, so, do- what have so I been doing with my life 14. and then maybe it's my asian jeans maybe <laughs> they, they are really nice jeans are they yeah i was going to make a joke about levi's then but that would have been so middle-aged I didn't do it thank you I would have laughed so you started you had a real job which you sacked off and then you you decided to do this as a side same with me I had a real job and I started my freelance my my real job was kind of in agency but I started as a copywriter (laughs) on the side just before we get into human-centered design because I think this is interesting for many people like when when did you know it was the right time to take the leap or did you not know and you did it anyway Um, You know what, this is a question that it's such a good question because so many people are on that verge and they have, they they do copy, they do design or they're in the creative industry. They want to take that leap from that corporate role. Uh, I was not ready to take the leap. Um, I, and I've shared this story quite openly, but I, if it wasn't for the environment, the toxic environment I was Mm -hmm. in, I probably would still be there. The work I was doing was so rewarding. I really enjoyed it. Um, Loved it, breathed it. I was there at 7am and I'd leave at like 6, 7pm and I work in government. I could technically leave at 4.59 um, if I really wanted to. I really loved the job and don't get me wrong, there are some extraordinary humans that work there and still do um, but for me, just got to the stage where my mental health, my well-being, my, my happiness was just it, it got to a stage where it wasn't about the work anymore and the great work that we were doing. It was about just trying to tear people down which is no not I know what I, you mean it's yeah. so, so often when I talk to people about what made them make the switch you know it's not like they had a rational period and they saved up a year's worth of salary and then they slowly Mm-mm. migrated it's like oh, so no. just get to the point where you cannot stand it anymore I got up the duff so that was for me I got preggers so I had to give up my job because I was contracting so you know it's not like I made this elegant you know <laughs> curved arc into the world of copywriting 
I got pregnant and I had to get a real, I had to earn some money. Um, so there you go. It's not always glamorous yeah. people. So you no, started, you started as a, just a freelancer. Now you have, do you have a bit more of an agency model? Do you have people working for you? How does it work? Yeah. So look, 2019 was a big year of growth and I'm going to be completely real and honest here and say that it has been, it, it has evolved the, the last year or two. And I've, gosh, I've had some big learnings. Um, I think when I dived into this whole business ownership, I was like, yes, there's so many people and you've got business coaches, mentors being like, yes, if you want to scale, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to hide this, you've got to hide this and do that. Yeah, it's, um, and don't get me wrong, I know there is, of course, in a, and, and I've never worked in big agency, you know, and I'll, I'll be really honest with you, I haven't. I, I can't say I've worked at big agency, big agency, because I haven't. I've come from a very different environment. So I listened and thought that was, that that is the route. But, and I really should have been so happy because I was, we were growing, we were scaling so quickly. But it got to the stage when this is towards the end of last year, 2019, where I was like, wow, I should really be happy, but I just don't feel, it doesn't feel right. Mm. Um, I don't feel 110%. Um, I really should be happy. Everyone around me on Instagram, on socials was like, oh, Nita, like you're doing fantastic. And I, I, I want to say this here as well and be like, it, it wasn't, it, I was in such a funk. I felt so crap. Um, and of course we can't showcase that side on social media. It's a highlight reel. It doesn't look professional when you, um, you know, have those bad days, but gosh, it was so hard. And I, I didn't know why I felt that way um, until I got, I literally booked myself. This is obviously before COVID, but I booked myself mm. away without even telling my partner because he had work anyway. So I was like, you can stay there. And I'll just book myself a weekend away. But I booked myself like a week away, actually, in the middle of the wearing forest. And I literally just sat there, read like 10 books in that one week. Oh my God, and I finally, that sounds so I lovely. It sounds lovely, right? It was yeah. lovely. And I got so clear on what my mission is. And I think that was what was missing for me. Not that I, I didn't know what I wanted, but I didn't pretty much was like, this is exactly what, what I've built this for. And that is to spread the power of words. Like, mm. and that's not just for business, but in every day, in, in literally everyday communications through emails, text messages, even particularly through COVID at the moment. Like we don't have to say chaotic. We don't have to say disastrous. We don't have to say go through. We can say grow through like little things like that. And it wasn't until I got so clear on that, that I was like, okay, well, I don't need to build a big agency to spread that message. In fact, I'm limited to how I'm able to spread that message by just serving a certain number of clients. And I've never wanted to be a big agency because I, I just, I don't know. I just didn't. I rather want yeah, well, to be I think boutique. There's a lot there that I want to kind of unpack before we get into mm. the human center stuff, because I think there's lots of different routes to success. And some people want to do the agency model. Some people don't, you know, you, you don't have to go down. But the thing is, I think you've got to, you've got to understand your, not your why, I'm not going to get all Simon Sinek on you, but <laughs> you know, wish, you know, it's the disease of more. I think that I talk about a lot totally. on my other podcasts, the Kate Toon podcast that, you know, Oh, well, you've got this. Well, now you should do this and now you yes. should do this and you should have this. And, yes. it, and it's like, but I don't want to. And I keep yeah. talking to people on podcasts who are like, you know, what's your next thing? And I'm like, 
at the moment, there is no next thing. I'm really cool with that. You know, I actually just want to enjoy what I've got and just do my do. And I don't need to have a gazillion dollars. I don't need to have an office full of people on beanbags. I don't like beanbags. They make me feel weird. Yeah. Yeah, Just be enjoy what you've got and spread your, spread your message. So coming back to your, to your message. And I like the fact, you know, you have this very clear thing that I don't quite understand what it is, but I do now because you just did it really well. So human centered, Copy and copywriting. You know, there are a lot of buzzwords in copywriting worlds, a lot, a lot of stuff where people like overcomplicate the. We were just talking about this with SEO. You can kind of bamboozle people with, yes. well, we're going to go into your integration strategy and your CRM and your. But in um, simple but- terms, give us a proper definition of human centered copywriting. Yeah, so for uh, I'll go backwards a little bit more, and I guess to give the listeners a bit of an insight, human-centered design and design thinking as well, they're intertwined somewhat. They're methodologies developed by um, two very, very smart professors over at Stanford University. And I'll start off with design thinking. Um, it is a problem-solving process. And in, in it, to, to distill it into literally one sentence, it's about understanding and scoping out the problem first before going in and solving it there's so many businesses that start you know product-based or service-based and they're like yes I've created a course and then they wonder why no one buys into it because they actually haven't dissected the problem and actually uncovered is this actually what my audience wants and and then human-centered design which is what um, you were just talking about Kate that looks into the details so this is more about you know, how, how do we improve the usability, the, uh, the UX even, and how do we actually, it's a mindset. It's a mindset that solves um, problems by finding solutions that meet what we as humans need. So I mentioned a little, a little bit earlier on, it's, it's empathy. If, if I'm to distill it into one word, it is empathy. It's about understanding the user their problem and finding a solution that's tailored to them. And yeah, the entire concept, it's rooted in empathy and how it relates to copy is now I'll give you an example. Uh, one thing we say to you know our clients, the audience that we work with is we don't, we don't, we don't write for you with all due respect. We, we don't, we, we don't write for you. Like, yes, you can tell me your brief. Yes. You can tell me what you do. In fact, yes, of course I need to know what you do, but what I need to spend the bulk of my time knowing is your audience. Like I need to know them back to front. I need to, we need to fall in love with our audience. And this is for any business owner listening, copywriter or or creative. We need to fall in love with our audience as much as we fall in love with what we do on a day to day. Because it's only then, and this is so relevant to what we were talking about too on my podcast about SEO, like it's only then that you're able to know what their problem is, what they're searching for. Um, you know, on, on, on Google um, or Bing, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's only then that you're able to, you know, really tailor your message, tailor your content, tailor your copy so that you've got your audience stopping their scroll or paying attention. And gosh, there's so much content nowadays, right? Um, so many, so never been so much easier to start a business either, which is fantastic. But it also means uh, the only constant is competition. There is so much competition. Your audience would have likely also done research on two or three other people who do exactly what you do. What is going to set you apart? And, you know, unless you get under the skin, and I say this often and people are like, ooh, but it's true. Unless you get under the skin and really understand um, 
how your audience feels, how they would love to feel, what they really want to avoid, what they, what, what is going to make their like ears, eyes pop up. You're not going to be able to connect with them. Yeah, um, I so, love yeah. this. I love this. Um, it's funny, one of my members of my community has just written a post about empathy and how important it is. And mm. I think it's, you know, often there's two things I want to break down here is often when I see um, people trying to understand their audience, they do it in a really, they use a really blunt tool of demographics. You know, this is Clive. Clive is 47. He drives a Land Rover. He's oh, married God. to Karen and they have 1.7 <laughs> children. And it's like that stuff really doesn't tell you no. what Clive lies awake in the middle of the night worrying about, what he gets yeah. his phone out, tries to not let his wife see. What's he Googling? The, I call it yep. the Clive, the C, CGF, the Clive Google factor. Because if you can be the person that gets Clive, that understands his pain point or his problem and offers him a solution, it's not really going to necessarily matter what the price is or the specifications no. or the features. Yep. You ju he just feels like you got him. He knows, likes, and trusts you. Yes. And so, you know, what? A, how are some... I'm going off the script. I'm sorry, Anita. We're, we're forgetting <laughs> the questions. We're just off into the rough now. Like, Love it. Love it. If you're starting off with a client and they're like, they come to you and say, well, you know, our audience is uh, women and men aged 20 to 60 who live in the world. How do you get them to go a bit deeper than that? What kind of questions do you get? Gosh, yeah, I I 100% agree. And we, we do like sometimes get that. And I will say with all due respect, like that, like I, I take it at face value, but the thing is, is we interrogate and ask some questions. You're a lot of the time, our clients don't actually know who their audience is. And mm. I know this sounds so harsh and so potentially and I say this with the utmost love no it's a, um, don't don't feel you have to cushion it these are copywriters listening we know what it's like like who's your audience they're right? like everybody it's like no everybody <laughs> but it's I, I would probably say there's you, you take that but what we also do is and of course like I, I would highly recommend and suggest this but we run actual interviews and yes. and, and, and like actually sometimes go of, of course not now with COVID but we might even go to the actual um, space of this uh, business organisation, talk to the staff, uh, sit there for half a day and get an understanding of the calls that come through. Uh, obviously, in a corporate organisation, we might even uh, call the clients um, and get an understanding. We get a diverse range. Those who are new, those who have been part of this journey for the last, I don't know, 10 years and they've been there from the get-go, those who, you know, are a little bit unhappy or they, they didn't have the best experience. We talk to a diverse range of audience and we'll ask them a lot of questions getting and not asking, oh, what can we do to, you know, improve what we do? Because that's the thing. A lot of your, the, the audience actually don't know either as to yes. what's going to improve that experience. It's up to the business to actually create it based on their pain points. So it's really getting deep into asking open-ended questions and listening to keywords that they're using, like words that, like patterns. Um, you could even do desktop research and go into an example is you could Google in a, a particular um, industry and literally go forum and just read. Read what people are saying, read testimonials, read what people are saying that they're so excited and happy about um, and looking for patterns. Um, that is what we want. Not necessarily Clive, who is, you know, X amount of age and enjoys this. Like we yeah. want to know what is going to get Clive to actually pay attention to what you have to say. What I is that word? I, lo I love that you, something to pick up on and, uh, you know, I think almost like the theme of the episode is that, you know, 
explaining to the client that we're not actually we're not actually writing for you we are writing for your audience and I'm so yeah. sorry I know you filled in the brief and you made a great effort but that's your opinion of your business yeah. and quite honestly it probably doesn't matter as much of your as your audience's opinion and I think yeah. you see that reflected on so many websites I like to call it the we we test and um, <laughs> when you go to a website it's like we do this and we do this and we are proud of this and we have this year's experience yes. and, and you're like instead of it being you want a business that does x your problem is this you 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 so I think a we test your clients with the we we test I've got some specific questions from members of, of the community and hot copy listeners um oh, that oh. Um, I want to put to you I hope that's okay oh uh, yeah that's fine <laughs> but I was just gonna say I was just gonna say I love I, I love that test and I think it's um it 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 is a bit like that. And I think we're just to add to what you were saying, Kate, mm-hmm. like it's, it's not just about regurgitating what, what your client is going to say. It's like, I do this, I do that. And it's also have that ability to be like, yes, I completely respect that, but mm-hmm. we don't want to be like X who does exactly what you do. Yes. They sound awesome. And I see this with some of our clients too. And again, do this with the utmost love, but no, we don't want to have a cheeky tone of voice just because it works with that brand doesn't mean it's going to work for your brand. Um, might potentially damage your brand, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing, copywriters listening will be like, this sounds brilliant. This is everything that we should be doing as writers. We should be empathetic. We should be writing in the voices of our customers, solving their pain points. But you are going to get you know, a question from Amanda Van Eldren here. How do you explain to clients about human-centered writing and design You know, who barely know what a copywriter is? How do you get their buy-in? How do you make them go, you know, like if they go, no, we just want you to write your copy. We're not going to pay you to go and interview people. Who do you think we are? How do you mm. persuade people that this is the right way to write this kind of copy? How do you persuade That's your great, clients? Yeah. That's a great question, Amanda. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily about persuading because I'm not saying that this approach is the like the creme de la creme and the that every single other approach is wrong. And yeah. I, I do want to be clear on that. I think it, it is in a slightly different approach where we do go that extra step further and call clients and maybe sit there and actually like listen in on how that organization is going. But I think at the end of the day, it's very easy. For, for us to be able to create content that is going to be truly different to others in the space, we can't go off. Of course, we can. We need to look at what others are doing in the space, but we need to be able to create something completely different. And you can't do that by simply just necessarily getting a brief or a, a, from your client. You need to dissect it. You need to challenge the heck out of it. And sometimes your clients don't know what is going to be work well for their brand. But you know what? By observing, listening, assessing, you're able to pick up on these little patterns that you can then take to create something else. And um, I won't necessarily say persuade, but I think it's more about us creating, going in to create something completely different. And I like to say we start off with a blank canvas with each client. Yes, you can tell me who your competitors are. We need to know. We need to know this, the positioning of where we're going to place you. But at the end of the day, we do this because there's a reason why clients, your clients are coming to you and we need to know why they're coming to you instead of someone else, especially that person that's been with you for the last 10 years, the last 15 years. The the answers are there. We have a jackpot literally there. Us being able to ask them, it's just knowing the right questions to ask instead of being like, how can we, you know, do this better? (laughs) We need to go in there just trying to understand, just trying to have a conversation. And there is so much power in just having a conversation and 
yeah, so much golden nuggets come out of that. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's coming to my mind is that, you know, we often talk about clients about doing a competitor review, but we just have an extra stage and it go, yeah, we do a competitor review, great, but we're also going to do an audience review. And even mm. if you can't, if your client doesn't have the budget for you to be ringing ex-clients or whatever, as you said, you can go through their testimonials. Yeah. You can maybe put together a simple survey monkey questionnaire yes. that they could shoot yeah. out to some people. You could, as you said, go into the, the forums where people are talking about that brand, but they are not in the room and, and yes. get some of that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, even the smallest client could benefit from a bit of customer review, just rather than, as you said, it's just about not, and it can be, I think the thing is you do need a degree of confidence because if you're starting out as a copywriter, you can have this sort of subservient role to clients where you feel you just need to do as you're told and challenging yeah. a, cli a client brief can be quite intimidating. You know, totally. when, when you go, actually, I know you've written this, but I don't, actually agree that this is the main point we need to make that can take some confidence yeah totally it does and I, but but I think the one and 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 it does it, it, I still get nervous sometimes telling the clients this but I think when you approach it in the sense of we're going after the same goal here like mm. we're at the end we're of on the your day team. we're on your yeah, team at yeah. the end of the day I'm not going to shove your brand under a bus like at the end of the day like I haven't done my job well if mm -hmm. we're not going to achieve the outcome that you want and for us to be able to achieve the outcome that you want we need to do something different and I know it's going to be uncomfortable but if you want something that is going to be different we do need to go down the uncomfortable route um and to add on to what you were mentioning before like there's definitely businesses that can afford the the, the client reach up there there's also other ways that you can do this too without having to do that like there's um like like, like we were talking about the the testimonial research desktop research um and uh, e even um, looking at, of course, with depending on the type of business, but even looking at consultation notes or listening in to certain calls, like you mm. don't have to necessarily go out there. There's a number of different uh, research methods uh, yeah. to do that. Uh, looking at comments on, on replies, uh, putting the question out there and seeing what people are uh, returning back with. Um, yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you find that, you know, your more conservative clients, the clients are a bit more cautious? Do you, I mean, often those kind of clients are, are impressed by statistics and studies and research. Is that something that you put, put to the client? Like, you know, you mentioned, I think it was Stanford University at the beginning, uh, you know, like often I find that that helps the, the wobbly client. If you go, well, actually, but there's a study that says 75% of people, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Do you use that as a method to sell in this um, idea? Yeah, look, it's it's wired into our brains. There's actually been studies to show that when there's actually a number of ways, social proof, of course, is one to test under the testimonials, but statistics, there's actually been studies about this study <laughs> that says um, actually <clears throat> like showcasing uh, stats, numbers, studies, it backs you, um, mm -hmm. especially when people are unsure or this is something new, um, actually going for when, when you're able to back yourself, not just from you as an eater or you as X, Y, Z, but be like, you know what? It's not just me. There's actually been studies run with over 500 people and they've also said this and they're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have a, you mentioned some of your strategies there, but do you like have a, a framework that you work with or any tool? Are there like human-centered copywriting tools that we can use? I mean, I know one of the ones that I like, it's a very blunt tool, but I do love um, Answer the Public for getting an idea of the kind of questions that people are typing into Google. Again, you know, like 
people become obsessed with certain phrases and whatever and, and trying to go back to the client and go, I know you think that this is the way people think about your product, but in reality, in the real world, they don't think of it this way. Are there any tools that you like to use? I do. And I think what I might do is I might quickly go through with the listeners um, some of the key, th- there's five steps to um, the, oh, the framework. Thinking. Yes. Framework, okay, the actual framework. This is, this is available um, worldwide, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we, we have uh, at WordFed, we created our own framework that mixes this, um, but also with uh, elements of consumer psychology. So I'll, I'll go back a little bit first though, this design thinking methodology, five steps, essentially it is empathy, like we mentioned, empathy, define, ideate, prototype, and test. Empathy, it's about understanding your audience, right, and knowing who you're actually delivering the service or your product for. Um, <clears throat> what matters to this person is ultimately what we want to get out of this bit. Then we want to define, which is ultimately us creating a point of view um, that is based on our audience, uh, this is needs and their wants from the first bit. Then it's about us ideating and brainstorming the wildest of different concepts and ideas. The wilder, the better. In fact, one of my most favorite case studies that go into this design thinking methodology is, this is gonna sound so random, but there is this random hotel in LA called Magic Castle Hotel. Okay. I don't know whether you've heard of this, case. No. no, you haven't? Okay, great. Um, but there is this random hotel, motel. It's actually more of a motel. You guys can Google it. Um, but it, it, it's bright yellow um, and it, it looks okay. It's got a comfy bed and it's, it's nothing special. But they have the biggest, most highest rated TripAdvisor rating, whatever, um, epic, like just five star, five star, five star. And they went through this exact method to create a memorable experience. Um, And this is also related to their content as well, where they have email sequences and social content, website, et cetera, as well. So, but ultimately what they've uh, created is they have implemented a popsicle hotline into their pool area and you take the phone. um, This sounds so random, I know, but but stay with me. But you pick up the phone. You pick up the phone and someone will pick up on the other side 24-7 and you just ask for, yes, I would like some popsicles and then within five minutes someone will pop like in front of you with a plate of free popsicles. Um, but I, it's through wild ideas. and I love that. Know, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's through this... It, the, the wilder, the better. And it's the same with Airbnb, right? Like who would have thought stay in a stranger's home would be something that would um, be actually viable, like, you know? And the same with Uber. Who would have thought getting into a stranger's car would be something that would be normal? Um, but instead of focusing on, hey, do you want to book home share or do you want to, you know, couch surf? And this was actually an original Airbnb message, like, you know, stay at, um, you know, couch surf or, you know, find a bed or something like that. They changed their messaging through this methodology and was just like, if you want to travel like a local, you book with Airbnb and they got really clear on ultimately who that what their audience who they are and what they ultimately want it's not just a bed in fact a lot of what their audience want is actually offline 
It's got mm. nothing to do with this platform that they've created. It's that experience of traveling like a local, getting that local cafe, like recommendation from the host, and they've built their entire business off, again, this design thinking methodology, uh, human-centered design. So, um, yeah, so sorry, I digress. <laughs> but that was uh, an example of IDA, um, going with wild ideas. Um, and then it's about prototyping, uh, which is about testing, testing, experimenting. And this is relevant too in the world of S uh, SEO. And then finally, it's, uh, it it's about refining and, and so prototype and then test where it's a constant evolution. Um, when you, let's just say you write a blog, it's not just about just writing that blog and it's out there into the world. It's about reviewing it, seeing how it went, seeing how you can make it even better. And that goes with every content piece as well. It's not just that do it once, that's it. Like it's a constant evolution. So that, that is ultimately the, like the, the methodology uh, that, we, that, that we have. And I like to call it like the, the Rubik's Cube that comes before the actual copy because, and I feel like a lot of the copywriters that, that's listening in right now would resonate, but when, you know, our clients invest in us, it's not just for the words. They're like, yes, can I just get a tagline? Can I just get um, just a small bio or just a, just a small tagline, just, just a quick bio, you know, bio. And it's never just that. Like it, the, in fact, sometimes it takes longer. <laughs> It's the process where it's the classic of the just do it of, of Nike, yeah. the most expensive three words ever. But also, <laughs> you know, by going often when you're, you know, you're getting copywritten, you, you know, you have a sense of if it's good, you know, we've all had the client who goes, I'm just going to show it to my partner. I'm just going to show it to my friend. Oh, yes. But, you know, by going through this process of, 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 you know, coming up with wild ideas, prototyping, testing, iterative writing, you know that the end, the copy that you've got is solid and it works. It's not just based on your subjective opinion or Anita's subjective opinion. It's been yeah, tested and tried and you have that, you then you get that real client buy-in because the thing is, you know, often, especially if you want to have continued relationships, people too often think of copywriting as like a one night stand relationship, mm. you know, whereas really you so do, true. you do want to have an ongoing relationship where you can come back and work again and again and again. And we all know that we've, people often say to me, copywriters say, you know, I wrote the, co the copy and then a couple of months later I checked their website and they'd change things. And I'm like, well, A, they could just be a numpty, but B, maybe <laughs> they didn't really at the end of it, although they signed it off and they felt good with it, it did. they didn't feel sold on it. They didn't feel that it was really what they wanted. And by going through this whole preamble, this mm, Rubik's Cube, mm -hmm. it's almost like the words are the final bit. The words are the easy It bit. is. It's very yeah, easy. It They're just going to pop out by the end of yeah. all of this, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's like you go, it, it is. Yeah. It's like the Rubik's Cube that comes before, so much comes before the actual copy. And I think as as copywriters, that is something that we need to um, communicate to our clients. And, and this is not their fault. Like they no. don't necessarily know. They think we're just creative geniuses, like cat memes, such as like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> like, but it's, I, I wish it was like that, but it's, I it's, know. Sometimes it's, it is. Not. Sometimes it just sometimes, flows. Yeah, sometimes. And I think, you know, <laughs> little ideas that, you know, just pop in my head there, like, you know, going through all these reviews and you create your own little lexicon of phrases and adjectives and words yes. that the audience is using. And so that the copy totally reflects back them, not 
the brand that maybe refers to themselves in some weird, freaky way because that's the way that they yes. talk. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. sounds so great. I was just going to say, I'll add on to that too. Like one of my favorite, uh, a bit of a tip, one of my favorite things to get inspiration to for my fellow copywriters is to actually listen to like podcasts and even audible books that has got nothing to do with like copywriting or anything like that. That's where I got the Rubik's Cube idea from. Yeah. <laughs> when you listen to like, like or read like just content from completely different realms um you pick up on different words that you can use as analogies oh and it's uh, you know I love an I'm an analogy beast I know I, know. I just did about 17 analogies on yours one after I another I mixed I love to mix my metaphors love I love to mess up <laughs> and I find I remember one of my this is not a great piece of copy but I remember being proud of it at the time I was working for a <laughs> towel company and they have these towels that are really super absorbent and you know they wanted to say you know they're super absorbent they can absorb this much water and and, and then they're not heavy that we're they're about 300 grams or something and I'm like who actually knows what 300 grams feels like? Like, what is, what is 300? And I went around the house just picking up things that were 300 grams. And in the end, my analogy, which fit, fitted for the brand, was like, they weigh as much as an, a, a slightly chubby hamster, which was perfect <gasps> for my brand. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it, it. <laughs> it. But it was better than just saying 300 grams. You know, you need to totally. think about the human and go, well, yes. what would this, how would this audience equate to that? What does that yes. mean in real terms? And that sticks. That yes. n- next time someone freaking looks at a hamster, they're like, oh. Yeah, well, oh. next time you see something that's 300 grams, you're going to go chubby hamster. It's chubby the chubby hamster. Hashtag chubby hamster. Hashtag yes. Rubik's Cube. Hashtag chubby yes. hamster. Yes. Uh-huh. Love it. I yep, love it. Love it. Anita, I could talk to you about this uh, all day. I have one final final question. You, know, you yeah. kind of already answered it, but I do just want to ask it one more time, which is um, from Kate Merriweather, which is, you know, you've done all this work. You've got this beautiful lexicon. You've got your chubby hamster analogy. And then you have the client that says, yeah, I get it all, but we want to sound professional. We don't, we, want to, we don't want to contract words. We don't want to use but at the beginning of the sentence. We want to sound professional. So can you take it all down a level? Can you tone it down? How do you deal with that kind of client? Do you just fire them straight away? <laughs> oh my goodness. That is such a good question. And this, this happens like as, as copywriters, right? Like you, you, you yeah, it, it happens. Um, what you, what I usually do is, okay, two, two routes. Um, I think the first bit would be distilling it down being like okay but what is what what is our main objective here like what is our goal and I think a lot of it is educating uh the the client here um it it is part of our role as I guess that's the reason why they've hired us uh, as the expert to come into their business to write the word wizardry to to educate them be like look this is the reason why we went down this route yes you want professional but we also can be professional but also not sound like a robot and not sound like a very just not very like not a, sound like, not, not sound <laughs> like a lawyer. That's the truth, yeah, of it, isn't it? Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> or not sound like a <laughs> or not 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 sound like a sleazy salesperson. Yeah. Or throw in buzzwords like we care about you or you know, but like how? Like let's go deeper. And I think a lot of it is to do with educating the customer. Um, that would be one. Um, I think second, um, and this this may be more of a controversial one, um, I think it's usually, I, I always get nervous when I'm, I send through, you know, drafts. I feel like, you know, you're nodding now like y- you would too. I feel like a lot of copywriters listening. We all still do. If that goes away, yeah, I think you're losing I send, something. Yeah, yeah. I, try to, I try to like make it cool by adding a few jiffies in the email to like make it cool. Um, but You just I said jiffy. Get... I'm a giffy girl. You said jiffy. Oh, oh my God. 
it. Oh, we no. can't be friends oh, oh. now. No, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> jiffy, jiffy. Yeah. But I still get so nervous. And I think um, yeah, if the educational route doesn't work, I think there's, and, and they're very adamant about the fact that, you know, it it, it is like that. Um, I'm also someone who, you know, will stand quite firm with, you know, mm-hmm. look, um, at the end of the day, I want your business to do well. I want us to achieve insert business objective or brand objective. I, I, I am going to, with all due respect, uh, stand by, I guess, the fact that we are going through this route, like I've explained to you and uh, please let me know if I've missed anything like uh, about this. I want your business to do well. And yeah. I don't, I don't want you to go down that route where your business won't get that result. And yeah. whether or not it is exploring an option there, whether or not it's potentially firing the client, whether or not it is just figuring out that you're, you can be <laughs> maybe the rabbit's peach in the world, but you're always, <laughs> there will always be someone who doesn't like peach but not every single client and I've, I've become quite good at this like picking up you know clients who I, yes are, this is what I was going to say I think it. I think you I think it's part what you should try and do is you know if you want to write this kind of copy this very conversational copy that should be the copy that's on your website that should be the copy that you use in your emails in your proposal yeah. in your first so that they're they're not surprised when they fun get the copy yeah. through and it's this kind of thing like you should you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. And then it's a choice, isn't it? If your client is absolutely adamant, you have to either accept that either they're not a client that you can work with and sever that relationship or go, look, at the end of the day, they're paying the bill. I'll give them what they want. This one was a fail. But then look at what you can do the next onboarding of your client to make sure that they are the right kind of client for you um, before you get Never failure, always a lesson. Yes, I love it. I love it. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up there. As I said, I could talk about this all day. You're an absolute delight. Um, oh, now are. you have to awkwardly listen while I do the outro. Are you ready for that? Heck yeah, I'm ready. Can you stop chair dancing? Because you're really putting me up. She's <laughs> dancing in a chair. I'm not going to look at her while I do I'm this. Otherwise, happy. I'll, I'll get fun. the giggles. I'll get the giggles. Okay, here we go. Regular listeners will know that at this time we read out a review of the show. And today, guess what? It's from a lady called Anita but it's Anita Ashlock in America. She says, this podcast has truly changed my career. Oh, there's zero fluff, 100% personality and actionable advice. I've learned more from hot copy than anything else. Grad school, previous jobs, online courses. The hosts always talk about defining how you add value to your business and what exactly they do there. Added bonus, now this America knows what whinge means. American. I thought whinge was quite a common term. There you go. Do you say whinge? Is that an Aussie thing? Whinge? Should we say whinge? Yeah. We whinge. I don't wonder what Americans do. Do they not whinge? I feel like they whinge all the time. We'll have to Google. <laughs> we'll have to Google what the American equivalent of whinge is. Thank okay. you, Anita. That is what absolutely lovely review. Anita anyway, I'm still going. Up. Don't talk oh. yet. I've got three more lines to read. Shush. thanks to you for listening if you like the show don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes Stitcher Spotify or wherever you heard the show you can also head to hotcopypodcast.com find out more about Anita check out all her social links etc and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode so there we go we're done Anita thank you very much thank you that was so much fun fabulous (laughs) and thanks for listening and as always happy writing Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, 
which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts.